Welcome to the Recession Proof Real Estate Investing Podcast. Join your host, Sam Newell, as he educates you on how to make profitable, low-risk real estate investments that will cash flow through any economy. Hear interviews with the top real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the country to find out what they've learned and implemented since the 2008 recession. With over 10 years in real estate investing, it has become Sam's goal to help others invest for double-digit returns, but to also stay safe and not get caught in the next downturn. Tune in and become recession-proof. Paul Chi, how you doing? Good. How you doing? Good. Thanks. Give people your uh, your own intro and 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 what you're doing. Sure, sure. So, you know, I, I started uh, with my first real estate investment in 2015. Bought my first single-family house. It's out of state, so I live in Los Angeles, and have been you know living in Los Angeles since 2012. And when I was looking for properties and, you know, wanted to get involved in owning some properties and everything, there was just, just found it very difficult. You know, in, mm -hmm. in LA, I just found it super difficult to find anything that I really wanted to purchase. And, and then I came across the idea that you could do this from afar and you could, you could purchase something from, it didn't have to be in the state that you lived in. So that, that just kind of blew my mind for a while and got involved and re did a lot of research and then took me a little while and then I ended up buying a first, yeah, my first single family house was in Kansas city and oh, that one, Kansas city. and it's in uh, Gladstone. So the okay. sort of the North, the North part of Kansas yeah. city on the Missouri side. Yeah. 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 Cool. So it was a, it was an area that I had just kind of been through what I wouldn't say I had much connection to. I visited it a couple times, you know, just for uh, my day job and, uh, just thought, well, okay, I guess it's probably a good city that I'm sort of comfortable with. You know, I wasn't a hundred percent comfortable with, but I just wanted to, you know, I wanted to take those steps and then I purchased that one. And then it, that one really well, I, I think it's, you know, I, I still have it right now. It's a nice little property, but I quickly realized that I, I started, I need to scale up faster. I'm gonna, how am I going to get enough of these to really make a huge, you know, a huge jump. So I started looking at apartments really quickly after that. And, and it was about a year later, I bought my first, uh, for my first apartment. It was in Indianapolis and mm -hmm. that was a 40 unit apartment building. You know, that was kind of like, just kind of done on me by myself and, you know, taking all the sort of ups and downs of doing it by yourself and learning about it and going through the steps and, you know, figuring out a lot of things along the way. But, uh, certainly glad that I, I just went through that. I mean, I, I still have that property today and everything. And then, I said, you know what, I'm on the right path. I want to mm -hmm. continue to buy more. So then I, a year later, almost exactly a year later, partnered with some close friends and family and we uh, purchased another one, another uh, 61 unit in Indianapolis as well. Oh wow! And uh, that was, yeah, from then I just started realizing the power of just expanding your network and, um, and being able to partner with other people and on mm -hmm. other properties. And, and these runs were, you know, a 40 unit, a 60 unit, they're good size ones, but kind of medium size. And I, I quickly started to realize I wanted to get into the bigger ones. So earlier yeah. this year, I started getting involved in some of the syndications involved and partnering with a lot of other people and uh, just being involved in the whole, whole process from there. So that's, those were kind of my early stepping stones. And this is what I do now is really to partner with a number of different groups too be involved in the, in the large syndications. 
Awesome. And you've done a really good job growing your network, providing value to a lot of other people, which I think is paramount when you want to create a good organization and, and a good back kind of backbone to your own organization. So you have a meetup where you help teach others about multifamily, but mm-hmm. take me back to your one house in Kansas city, then your two units in Indianapolis. What was it really that made you want to scale from not just doing a bunch of single families or a bunch of duplexes, because it seems like that's what HGTV and all these other forums, bigger pockets tells people to do is go buy house hack, buy single family, buy duplexes. Mm-hmm. So what made you want to go bigger? It really just came down to that numbers game that I thought, well, okay, so my first one, you know, it was one of these ones that I bought on credit cards and I, you know, did a lot of these kind of creative, yeah, like all kinds of stuff, right? So I I was like, I can't keep continuing to do that. You know, it's like my credit score went way down (laughs) and then they bring it back up and then, you know, and then I was fine. And then I was like, do I want to do that again? I don't know if I want to do that again. I mean, it, it actually worked out well, but you know, there is a lot of risk involved in that. And was that you a know, recourse I just loan? Thought, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, this whole recourse loan. I mean, you know, it, it refinanced it into you know a conventional loan. Oh. But when I purchased it up front, I I basically drew off all this cash off of credit cards, right? So mm-hmm. I'm like, this is not scalable, right? I can't I can't right. do that all the time, right? And that you know I'm going to get in trouble one of these days or something. You know, I was like, this is not what I, I can't see that being a business where I'm going to get 50 of these things in the next, I don't know, seven, 10 years or whatever, and, and continuing to do it that way. It's just not going to, I just didn't think that was going to be right. So right. I just thought, you know, hey, you know, instead of trying to, you know, somehow game the system into a way of me kind of working it out the way, it's, there's other ways that you can do it that are just, you know, the path is kind of laid out to you. It's not, you don't have to be, you know, somehow figure out the little, some kind of combination that gets you something that nobody else has. It's like, the path is pretty laid out there. It's like, hey, you can buy a bigger apartment building, right? And you can yeah. figure out what it's worth. And then you can put an offer out there and then you can negotiate it and then you can close on it and then run it afterwards. So it's not, it's, hey, that's, I didn't invent that. That's a lot of people did that before and, and, you know, will continue to do that for a long time. So that was an idea to me that like, hey, this can be a little more scalable because this can happen over and over and over again. And eventually I can, get into the bigger syndications and things like that. But it can certainly be something that I can do over and over. And it's not just a one time I got lucky and I, I, there's no way that to sort of repeat that process and things like that. So yeah, that's what I, that's what I felt like. Why sort of reinvent this wheel and try to create something out of nothing and then hope that luck or lightning strikes me <laughs> 50 times in a row or something like that. Right. Right. Well, and, and, and I, I agree with you. I, I think you need to scale and, and you need to go the lower risk, which is, you know, non-recourse financing bigger is you get economies of scale, but how do you feel it scales? Do you scale with larger units because of the time involved the same time for a, a larger income? Mm-hmm. Are you able to raise money and, and buy something bigger and it just makes more money or for you specifically, how do these larger units scale and just make more sense? Yeah. There are, I mean, you hit it kind of on the head that there is a number of different ways that you can, when you look at scaling, right? Obviously, you can, the, the first thing is you think, well, instead of getting a one unit or a two unit or, a, or even a 15 unit, you can start looking at a 200 unit. Yes. I mean, there's certainly economies of scale right there. You don't need to go through the purchasing process over and over and over and over and over before mm-hmm. you get to, you can only 
you can just do one or one or two a year or something like that to, to scale up really quickly. But you have to also look at like personally, how are you scaling yourself personally, right? And so I realized that my background and what I'm, what I'm, kind of, what I'm good at is really the personal side and, and bringing people together. And when I, look at, when I look at these syndications, a lot of times there's really three things that I think are the major components of, of, of a syndication, right? It's the, the first step is really the, the acquisition, right? You got to find the property. You got to do diligence. You got to do that early on. You got to do your analysis. You got to have some upfront money. You got to doing the inspections. You got to do all that early on, right? Mm-hmm. Then you got to do, you know, the, the capital raise, right? You got to raise in capital and you got to be involved in that. And that's a big portion of what you got to do. And the third thing is somebody's got to run the asset. It's got to be operations, right? Who's going to run this asset? And I started to realize like during my time that like of those three things, I had certain certain strengths and certain weaknesses of those, and really, you know, my network and uh, you know my network is becoming really my strength, right? Yeah. And so that's that's a, a big part of it. With with my meetup, is my network becomes my strength, and then my secondary strength is really my is on the acquisition side is is finding the deal, doing the analyzing the deal, come up with the early analysis and things like that. But third would be the actually asset management, the, the operation side of it. That's where I'm probably the weakest. And so mm-hmm. I thought, well, why am I going to buy a property and then do all three things over and over and over again? It's like, I'm good at a couple of these and weak at some of the other ones. You know, I don't want to do that. It's like you spend way more time doing what I'm weak at. Instead, scaling, like you mentioned, it's just going to be partnering with the right people who are skilled in those other facets. And then you let them really drive that part of it and you yourself drive what you're good at. And so, you know, been able to find other people that complimentary, you know, have complementary skill sets. And that's what's, that's, what's been really good for me is that, you know, just figuring out what I'm good at, figuring out what other people are good at, finding the right people to work with. And then, and then, you know, kind of all coming together. Now, again, you're going to be involved, you know, with a syndication, you're going to be involved in everything. So it's not right. like you're just going to be right. doing one thing and that's it. But, but you can certainly get better at the other things, but you don't have to be the, the main one driving that other thing that you're not very good at, right? If right, you don't want me right. necessarily to be driving the asset management part of it, if I'm not that good at it, right? There's other people that are much better at the operations. They know budgeting, they know project management, they know all these things. That's what they're good at. You don't want me to drive that, right? right. Well, I want to learn how to do it and be involved in it. But that's what's part of the scaling part of it is just really understanding what you're good at and what other people are good at. Let them drive that part of it. You just kind of learn and make sure you know what you're doing, but let them let them take the, the driver's seat on that one. No, I, I agree with you. And and I'm starting my own business just like you. And um, we're already writing LOIs and, and we've raised money. We actually raised money for a couple of deals that we weren't even a part of. We didn't get paid to raise money. We just, you know, practice passing info along to investors and saying, hey, we've underwritten this deal. We feel it's probably good. And it was more goodwill than anything, but um, we found out that one of our partners isn't the best at explaining the numbers, even though he's very, very, very smart and good at Excel. And he's one of our main underwriters. He said, you know what, I'm Sam, I'm just going to, anybody that asks about deals, I'm going to send them to you. And so we found out that, you know, while I can do Excel spreadsheets, I can, I can do all that and I can do estimating. Um, that's his strength. And, and I agree with you. So I found out that same way too. You know, I I found out from my business partner, you know, 
we used to underwrite deals together and I used to say, Hey, I'm, I'm pretty good at underwriting and I'm pretty good. At, and I was like, Oh, he's way, he's way better than I am. At it. You know, he's, he's a lot better than I am. I can do it, but he's way better. So why am I, why am yeah. I spending like all this time trying to underwrite when I just like talk to him and look at what he's doing and let him do it faster. So, yep. Here's how I compliment my business partner. I just say, Hey buddy, you're, you're way more nerdy than I am. And I love it. I'm pretty nerdy with those Excel spreadsheets. I love them, but uh, he's more nerdy than I am. So yeah, yeah, it's fun. I know. I'm in the same boat. Beautiful. Absolutely. Well, no, you, you, you've got a really good point. You know, focus on what you're good at. Don't, don't try to do everything yourself. This isn't a game where you can play it and be greedy and keep all the money for yourself. This is about it. It's a team sport. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're partnering with a property manager that has 5,600 doors under management. I'm pretty sure he knows how to manage a, a 200 unit complex mm-hmm. very, very well. Mm-hmm. So we have strategically, just like you, chosen the right partners. You know, our other partner is a money guy with 30 years experience and 300 doors uh, free and clear. So I agree. I, I don't want to do this on my own. And, and I think a lot of people out there will really appreciate your story because you're doing all of this. You've brought in the right partners. You're buying these big deals, creating amazing results for your, for your clients or your investors. And you still have a full-time job, right? Yeah, still have that full-time job. So, yeah, so it's, so it's one of those things that I've been able to work it all around my full-time job. So, I, you know, I'm very lucky. Like, my job is in sales. You know, everybody has a, a, a different thing, right? So my job is in sales. So I'm talking to customers consistently all the time. I have a lot of drive time that I, that I can make calls during that time. I can answer calls during that particular time, you know, set appointments while I'm driving and things like that. So I certainly have a lot of flexibility and I take it kind of, take advantage of that and use that. But I think that everybody has something like that. Some people may don't maybe not have as much flexibility as I have, but they have more, maybe they have more of the analysis or they have more of this, you know, that side of the data driven right. side where they, they're just at a computer all the time and they're just cranking out things a lot faster than I am because I'm on, I'm driving all the time. So they have, sure. they have their advantage of, of doing that or, or, you know, whatever it is, you know, everybody has a kind of a distinct advantage of, what, what can make them be successful in this? And so, yeah, I think I 100% agree. And you just got to you gotta find that whatever it is in your job that helps you be successful and, and, and kind of use that going forward. Absolutely. Yeah, so I agree. I mean, I'm, I'm a commercial broker and residential. I'm selling homes, selling commercial buildings, and I've got to find time to underwrite these deals, talk to brokers. And, you know, there's time if you make time, I think. I, I maybe sit around and watch TV way, way, way less than anybody else I know, but I'm okay analyzing a deal at seven, eight o'clock at night while my wife watches TV. You know, I'm okay doing that mm-hmm. um, because this is a fun, exciting business where you can have massive results. My next question though, pal, I'm kind of curious. You've been in this game a little while now and do you have any horror stories or stories of examples of people really making big mistakes in this business that our listeners can maybe be helped by uh, knowing what to avoid. Let me see. I'm trying to think of big ones. You know, when I'm thinking of like, uh, you know, I've, I've made a ton of mistakes. I'm sure I've made, made a ton. And the fortunate part of it is like, you know, say I've made mistakes early on, whereas, um, you know, when I bought my first apartment, my first 40 unit apartment, there was a lot of things that I didn't know about the due diligence, right? most of the time you go through a phase one environmental study, right? And hopefully you don't go to a phase two. So I didn't know, I didn't even know what a phase two was, right? I was going through a phase two as my first one. 
I didn't really have listeners. What is a phase two? So, yeah. So a phase one, just to explain a phase one is generally paperwork driven. So it's, it's mostly looking at records. Uh, mm-hmm. So you're in, inspection team is going to go through the records of, of your parcel and find out what was there previously, right? And if it all clears out, it's been residential the whole time, or maybe it's been a couple businesses that were a bank or something like that. It's this, there's nothing really disturbing the environment there. But on mine, there was a dry cleaner and like, uh, I forgot, it was like 1800, I don't know, 1890 or something like that, right? And there's a dry cleaner there and then there's a dry cleaner across the street and then mm-hmm. some things like that. And they're just... Back in the day, dry cleaners just dumped out all that solution right on the ground. Right? They didn't care where they're putting it, right? So this yeah. just went on the ground. So now you have to check actual, you have to dig into the ground and find, you know, you have to go down far enough and check the rainwater and all, all kinds of things like that. So they do testing. So phase two is actually the actual testing and they t- test the specific areas. So, you know, I was like going to walk in there like, Wait, I heard I heard I'm not supposed to buy a property that is going to go through a phase two. You know, that's not a good sign. And, you know, and yeah. here I am kind of just pushing forward to, to, to purchase it. It ended up working out well. I mean, it kind of it passed all the, you know, those environmental things. And but, you know, I, I didn't do a lot of like I didn't do as much early due diligence as I should have. Right. You know, and okay. like you just learn those steps as you as you go on. I, I mean, I didn't. You know, I didn't study as much of things like, hey, I, I should have studied the um, the uh, utility bills better, right? I should have I should have taken the twelve months of utility bills previous and, and then went through that. But I, you know, I, I kind of just moved forward and kind of just accepted what the P and L said and things like yeah. that. And you know, you kind of get caught, and then you're like, okay, well, the good thing is that none of it has been catastrophic. You know, it's like you, you make you make these mistakes, and you make things that are kind of wrong, and sometimes they're Sometimes they're bad. Sometimes they're worse. Sometimes they're over. You can overcome them, but nothing's been catastrophic yet. So, I mean, I'm kind of glad on that. But it's obviously, I just I take it as like it's all education. And sometimes it's education that hey, I should have, I should have been smarter than that. I should have read more yeah. books. I should have like read more articles about what you should do and your due diligence and what you should uh, ask questions about or things like that. But a lot of it is kind of learning on the job. And while you're, you know, it's like you're going to learn while you're out there doing it too. So I don't want to let something just stop me just because I don't exactly know what to do. You know, it's a lot of times right. I'm just like, well, I'll figure it out. Like I'll, I'll get it done and I'll figure it out and I'll make it happen. And if it, if it's bad, I mean, it's, I'm going to make sure it's not so bad that it's, that it's not going to be, uh, like I said, catastrophic to me. So. No, that's huge. That's huge. And, and I think now you've, you've got the partners in place where a lot of those mistakes can just be totally avoided. Because like you were saying, you have a team of people that can do underwriting with you, that can raise money with the right people, that can mm-hmm. uh, manage a property, asset management, property management, underwriting. And we're the same way. We, you know, we have all the partners lined up so that we don't have to make mistakes. Or if they are, just like you, there's small mistakes that really aren't catastrophic. You know, when you, I mean, that's the leveraging of other people, right? That yeah. you just know that like, hey, these people are really good and it's yep. great to have more than just my eyes on the project but I got to look at the, all the underwriting, all the, all the due diligence work, all the paperwork that comes through and all talking to lenders and, and trying to get this closed with the broker and all everything. But now I got like, now I'm working with partners and everybody's taking their, their piece and every, everybody's doing things and, and we're kind of reviewing other people's work. Hey, did you do that? What did they say? Let me, let me, I'm going to go talk to the property manager as well. I'm going to go out there and visit the site. I'm going to go look, I'm going to do my own due diligence due diligence. I'm going to go mm-hmm. and secret shop the property. I'm going to go and do this. I'm going to underwrite it as well. 
And, you, you know, so now, you know, everybody's kind of keeping each other in, in check and making sure that, you know, um, you know, we're all got our eyes on every piece of it. So. Yeah. No, that's huge. That's huge. I love secret shopping properties for our listeners that don't oh, know yeah. what that is. It's when you're, you're doing rent comps and you want to know how, how close your rent comps are, pal. And, and I know I and other people as well, we'll just go pretend like we're a renter and walk into an apartment complex and say, Hey, you know, what are you guys renting for? How many vacancies do you have? And, and what do they look like? And, and, uh, it's easy to look at numbers, you know, when you're looking at comps on apartments.com or whatever, it's another thing to walk into units and really compare eye to eye. And I feel like how, I don't know if you agree, but I feel like that's really necessary when you're buying an asset to know how does mine stack up and am I really going to be able to push rents up or are those units way, 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 way better than mine? And, uh, I don't know. So, so it's just, it's just good to have a better idea rather than looking at photos online to walk a unit and, and be able to do those comps. Yeah. You, I mean, a hundred percent, you, you go out, you do those, uh, early comps, you know, just kind of looking uh, at numbers early on just to get a sense of like, Hey, is this property even worth it? But once you yep. finally figure out, yeah, this is worth it. We're, we're probably, I mean, we're, feeling pretty good about this property we're probably going to move forward with it then it's yeah, so you got to get out there and start to look at those property those other comparables and see them and think okay now i gotta ask you know i'm gonna go there and hi you know i'm here i might i might be moving into or I'm, my job is transferring me to this area in about you know a month and a half and i'm so yeah. looking at apartments here and you know me and my wife so i need to take pictures of this property you know i do hope you don't mind <laughs> but my wife wants to see it she's not going to move into this place unless i take some video right so uh, especially of the kitchen so do you mind i go shoot in the kitchen shoot this shoot the bathroom you know yeah and you know you talk through that and then it's you know you always ask there's a lot of uh, follow-up questions that you're going to want to find out like Oh, so I see there's covered parking here. How much is the covered parking? Oh, uh -huh. it's free. Oh, okay, great. It's just first come, first serve. Or, oh no, it's fifteen dollars a month. Oh, okay. You want to know those things, right, as an owner, because you want to know what's going into. Yeah. Oh, pet rent. Yeah, pet rent. How much? Okay, yeah, my, we have a little dog. So, are we going to bring that dog? You know, how much is that? And there's, mm -hmm. you know, whatever they tell you. What can I? Like, is there any uh, breeds that I can't can't bring because we we might be looking at another dog? Is there, you know, or is there a limit? How many dogs? You know, yeah, uh, all kinds of questions like that. What what are the utility costs over here? You know, how much how much do I pay for utility? What, or what about uh, are they doing water rather? and trash and all this stuff? You know, is there is there, is there like a do you make me pay for water as well? You know, that kind of question you just kind of ask as a tenant would, and then find out all that information. So now you can find out are they billing back for water? $25 or is it a percentage or do they have a certain meter that they go by and all kinds of different things that you're trying to, you're just trying to ask, um, ask those questions and, and find out some in general, you know, what do they have any, um, like on the bigger, some of these bigger apartment complexes, they have maybe tutoring for kids or they have, uh, you know, they have classes like, uh, yoga classes that they offer for free or something, something like that. Just ask them kind of what they have. And if they don't have any of that, then, you know, those are certainly upsides that you can kind of think about as a group, like, well, maybe we should have these kind right. of things in our, our place. Yeah. Do they have a dog park place for, for dogs to go to the bathroom or are you going to, your kid's going to be stepping in it when they play in the common area? Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. I, I know there's a complex here that they actually do DNA testing on uh, all dog, dog poop. 
Wow. They uh, take it as serious. So they register all dogs that move in. Uh They do the DNA testing when they find dog poop. And uh-huh. you get a massive fine if you don't clean up after your dog. It's like anywhere from three to eight hundred dollars. Wow. wow! But they're serious. I mean, it's it's an A class facility, so it's sure. nice. They yeah. take it very seriously, though. If you're not cleaning up after your dog, you're you're getting fined. Yeah, you got to watch out. I did a I did some secret shopping with some of my partners on a, on a, an investment, and uh, there's four of us there, and uh, three of us stepped in. A, yeah. Oh up. no! I wasn't. I was the one that didn't. So I was kind of happy about that. I was very <laughs> yeah. alert and very very keen of what where I was walking, but oh the other gosh. three. Yeah. Well, they need to institute some institute some DNA dog crap testing <laughs> then. No, that's huge. I, I love what you talked about the secret shopping. Really understanding because. Um, it's the same thing I do with real estate. It's it's funny. I was just talking about this with my buddy. Um, he was selling our mutual friend's house, and the wife was saying, you know, oh well, you know that they, they sold for X Y Z, and so shouldn't we sell for X Y Z? And and so we ended up taking her over to the house because it hadn't closed yet. And finally, she's able to see, oh yeah, their house sold for fifty thousand more than they were listing their house for because it had granite. They had formica. You know, they had a third acre yard and and they didn't. And, and so really understanding why you can pull rents to a certain price or not is huge. And, and that's what I tell people when they're selling a home, a commercial building, or trying to rent out a place. Like You really need to know your stuff and, mm-hmm. and understand clearly. So that's huge. Pal, tell me about some, some advice you'd have for someone maybe starting like you that has a house or has a duplex that wants to get bigger, wants to go bigger. They maybe feel overwhelmed because there's so much to know. And I I feel like you and I are very similar. We just kind of jump into things. We educate ourselves very well, but we jump into things. What do you think is a first step or maybe some advice for someone that wants to get into buying bigger units? I mean, there's, there's, there's several different steps. I wish I had like a perfect plan for this, but I know that truthfully partnering has been one of the biggest things that's kind of elevated my game to be able to do this. Now, I would say early on those that one, that one house, that first apartment that I bought, 40 unit, that second 61 unit with a couple partners where, you know, I was doing a lot of the, the work there. Those were great stepping stones to be able to say, hey, uh, I can help you build my portfolio, my reputation that I'm in the game, that I'm doing this now that these other partners will take me a lot more serious and say, hey, we got a, like a 200 unit one. Do you want to come on with us? Do you, you know, we would like to talk with you now about, you know, partnering. So sometimes it's hard to take that step from a, a single family house or two to get into that 200 unit building. I mean, that's, that's, that can take a little while. So yeah. there are some stepping stones sometimes, sometimes you can fast forward through them. So if you can fast forward through them, take the advantage of it, go for it. But if not really finding those partners along the way that you're going to be able to work with, that are going to help you out, that are going to, you're going to be able to leverage either somewhat of the other sides. Like I mentioned, those three sides, the acquisition side, the capital raise and the operations that you're going to find what you're good at and what you like. And you're finding the other people along the way that are good at something else. And then you guys can combine each other and then help each other out and find something and takes and find more apartments. But I mean, that partnership thing for me has been, has been absolutely the way to go. And and I would tell you that I met my partner at my meetup, right? So mm-hmm. like I was just holding my meetup and we just happened to be looking in the same city. We were both here in, in like Southern California, Los Angeles. We were both looking at for apartments in 
Indianapolis. And mm-hmm. so we just, we were, you know, if we were actually first competing. He was looking around and I was looking at the same one and we're going to bid on him, you know, that kind of thing. But we got into, you know, we're friendly and we're just telling each other, honestly, what we were thinking. I think it's worth $300,000. He thinks it's worth three fifty. you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then we just kind of went back and forth. We showed each other our underwriting and then, and then eventually we started thinking, Hey, well, if you, if you win it, maybe we can partner together. And then if I win it, I'll just, I'll just bring you on and we'll partner together. And then it was like, well, why don't we just partner on from the beginning and we'll just kind of look at other places and we'll just kind of leverage our, our portfolio together. And then, so it just grew from that. And that's, um, yeah, that, that's my business partner. And then, you know, it's, it, it's now we're, now it's obviously like everything we, we kind of look at is always together and it's, it's been great ever since then. But yeah, finding that, that right person and, and kind of trusting that a lot of times early on, you're, maybe don't want to give that person your underwriting. You maybe don't want to tell that person you're you know, kind of holding back a little bit, but truthfully it's, just, it's, you know, it's, there's so many, there's so many out there. It's like, it's not really worth it to hold back on that. What, which, what could be a partnership down the road. So you got to think sure. of what sort of the upside is on that. So for me, it's a partnerships have been great. And the other thing I would tell people is that honestly, you'll have a chance where, I mean, you know, I say, we, you know, we're, we're in the mastermind together and we see yeah. these people that have been very successful and they always talk about some story that they had that kind of kicked them off or got them. And there's always a little bit of a mention of luck or something like, Hey, I got really lucky. This one time yeah. I just happened to be dri- driving here and I pulled, I got a flat tire and the guy who helped me was a guy, a real estate investor or something <laughs> like that. Right. Some, some yeah. kind of weird situation. But, you know, the more we hear about that, the more that I, I really honestly believe that you're really creating your own luck. Mm-hmm. And as, as, as much as we say those are lucky, if you didn't do the preparation beforehand to really put yourself in position where you know how to present a real estate opportunity or know how to evaluate one, or you, you've just done all of that work up front, mm-hmm. when those opportunities come by, you will miss them if you didn't do that early on. Right. And, and if you don't, first of all, if you don't see them, that's kind of where it, like you didn't do enough preparation. Yep. And then if you decide not to grab onto it, then that was your fault that you just, you just let something go because sometimes there's that opportunity that comes by and somebody presents it right in your face and you just say, eh, I don't know. That's uh, I don't know. I'm not sure if I can do that. That's just, that's pretty daunting and you right. decide not to do it. And that's like, well, other people grab on and they, they, they go for it and it just takes them to the whole nother level, which people can say, well, you're lucky you ran into that guy. What's kind of luck that you prepared for it and then you got to take the opportunity and then you really just made your own luck. So that's huge, man. I I love the quote, you know, when luck meets preparation, that's true success. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think you're absolutely right. You know, my good friend, Travis Chapel has a great podcast. If you haven't listened to it, you should. It's, it's, um, build your network podcast is what it's called. Mm -hmm. And so he always asks the question, is it who, you know, or is it what, you know, and you know who you know can give you opportunities that you'd never have and and I've got a partner I feel very lucky to have now that we're going to be buying deals with and he's so well connected owns 300 doors free and clear you met him at the mastermind group michael oh, yeah. just okay. a huge individual and I've known him I've talked to him probably for 7 years mm-hmm. but I had never talked to him about actually investing with me Mm-hmm. And I went and talked to him in January and said, you know what, Michael, we were at a seminar together in, in Vegas. I said, Hey, I, I really want to get to a billion dollars in, in, in man, uh, multifamily holdings in the next 10 years. And he said, wow, well, let's partner, let's work together. And, but I had spent the last 
four or five years focusing on multifamily, selling multifamily, reading, listening to every single podcast. And so I would add, find the strategic partners, just like you said, but educate yourself. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So what you also said is so that when you can be lucky, you can be prepared as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I consume four or five different podcasts daily, you know, between your and my mutual friends, other people's, mm -hmm. and have hugely educated myself as well as, as just jumping into this business. So For sure. I agree with you, man. Strategic partners are it and um, educating yourself. So when you get smacked in the face with an opportunity, you, you know, if it's a good one or a bad one. Yeah, you got to um, take it. And you got to, sometimes you got to go for it, you know, you, you got to jump on it. Like, yeah, absolutely. You know, there's that opportunity doesn't come around very much. And when it comes, you just got to go for it. Like, absolutely. And, and by the way, you and I have to talk about Boise, Idaho. Remind me, absolutely. we, we got to jump on a separate call. I want to, I'm going to be building multifamily up there with a, one of these partners and um, you know, why buy a value add deal at, uh, you know, $160,000 a door when you can buy a brand new deal at $170,000 a door in a market with increasing rents. So that's kind of my next play is bring in a couple people like you and, and um, syndicate these new construction deals. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'd love to hear about it. So, well, I'm curious, where was a 15 year old Powell? I mean, were you thinking about going to be a salesperson oh, working for who you work for now? Were you thinking about real estate? I think I was thinking I was going to, I was going to be an air force, air force fighter pilot. I mean, that's what mm -hmm. I was thinking about. I wasn't going to be a syndicator or real estate investor. Yeah, no. Yeah. My, my 15 year old self, man, I, I was all about football. That's all I was doing. I was just playing football and I cool. lifting weights and trying to be a football player. Right. Not, not that I thought I was going to be a professional football player or anything like that, but that was really what consumed my life. I was just, you know, trying to do everything I could to be the best football player I could be. But I, and I did not have any inclinations of entrepreneurship or anything. I was the worst at selling little candy bars for our my soccer team and things like that. <laughs> I was terrible. I was not good at that. And, um, uh, it, but I, what I realized as, as years kind of went on is that I didn't really fit very well in the corporate side of things. Like there wasn't any great side that I fit. Well, I, I mean, me being in a cubicle for three months after a while was like, oh, like I need to do something else. Like I just didn't. So I was like, what can I be? I, I don't know. doesn't sound like I'm going to be a good marketer. It doesn't sound like I have enough engineering skills. It doesn't sound like I'm going to be a doctor. Like I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. So actually I eventually I found uh, kind of like through a lot of trial and error, I was doing some, I started doing a little bit of entrepreneurial things mm -hmm. and I realized as I was doing these entrepreneurial things that, you know what my weakness is, is sales. It's like, I'm too scared to go into a place and talk to somebody about this product. And I was like, you know what? I got to, I got to do better than this. So I got a job in sales. And so I went out and got a full-time job in sales and, and that's pretty much been my career ever since then. So that was, uh, that was like, yeah, I guess that was like 10 years ago or something like that, 10 years ago. So yeah, it's been, That's it's awesome. been great ever since then. So I'm glad I found it. I wish I would have found it earlier, but yeah, I, th I think it's a, I think it's a great field to go into. And it, it's certainly, there's some entrepreneurial things. I mean, you know, there's a lot of entrepreneurial things when you're involved as on a sales team. Oh yeah. Well, and, and sales is huge because when you're leasing units, you have to be able to train your property manager, how to sell and how to follow up with, with potential renters. I swear when I have a, a vacant unit, 
if I'm not getting back with a renter within five minutes, they're looking at like five other properties and they really don't care because they're all very, very, very similar. Mm. And so um, that's one area where my sales skills has really paid off is being able to pull in these renters. Get I get significantly higher rents than my competition because I follow back up within five minutes if I can follow up like crazy. I'm, you know, so yeah, sales is a huge skill. And, and I love Grant Cardone's book, seller be sold. Mm -hmm. Everyone in this world is in sales. Mm -hmm. You got to sell your boss and giving you a raise. You got to sell your wife on where to go to dinner tonight. You got to sell your kids and going to bed for the fifth time tonight Uh and not jumping in bed with you. That's our, our struggle right now is she, she comes in at 3am wanting to sleep with us. But yeah, yeah, no, 3 a.m. I, I was gonna say it's hard, hard to be on your game about selling at 3 a.m. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why we started locking the door. But, uh, <laughs> unless the fire house is burning down, or we're not opening that door. We got to get our beauty sleep. So, so pal, I, I really appreciate you being on the show. Um, anything that we can promote for you? Anything that our listeners, if they want to reach out to you, can ask you about or or help you with right now? Yeah, I would say honestly, the the only thing I uh, for me is that if you're interested in our meetups, you know, we have, uh, we're expanding our meetup group. So our meetup group is called multifamily masters. So if you go to multifamilymasters.com, you'll see us there. We're opening chapters all over the United States right now. And we're really excited about that. We got, I mean, we got a real strong presence in Southern California. We got other ones we're opening up on the East coast as well. Uh, Phoenix is opening up really quickly here. So we're, I mean, started a year and a half ago with just one chapter and now we're up to seven we're about wow. to launch about another 10 to 20 i don't know probably maybe even 30 by the end of this year so it's it's blowing up and there's a lot of people that are very interested and we have a lot of support and we have a great community of people that are very helpful and and want to make sure that your your meetup is successful so if you're interested in that look us up at multifamily i mean at um yeah multifamilymasters.com and if you if you want to, you can always feel free to reach out to me as well. So Sam, you can put my email in the show notes as well too. Perfect. Yep, I will. Yeah, multifamilymasters.com. Really cool meetup. I've been out to yours uh, two different occasions in, in Southern California. I really, really want my good friend Grace Sang to start one with you in the Cupertino, Silicon Valley area. Okay. I think you guys would crush it together. Um, okay. I just got to get her on board. She's a single mom and doesn't have a ton of time, but I think we can, with a couple strategic partners, just like we talked yeah. about today, mm-hmm. help her become successful there because she, she's a fantastic investor. And, um, you know, one of the biggest things I want to stress is I've noticed about you, pal, is you're very conservative. You don't try and sell people on stuff that's not realistic. I've looked at some of the deals you do and I really appreciate that. Um, you help educate mm-hmm. people, you help add value. You're not just trying to get paid, which I think is that really the key to success is helping others, adding value and, and not focusing on the money because um, the money will take care of itself. But no, I really appreciate you being on the show. Um, I'll put that in the show notes, your meetup. And then you'll yeah. probably have deals in the future. People can ask you about, they can ask you about current deals. Sure. Maybe they're looking at, cause you're experienced at looking at whether a deal is a good deal or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely encourage our listeners to reach out to you. So right. thanks homie. Awesome.